Do you know about Acker Wines? It's America's oldest wine shop and the world's largest fine wine auction house. Their weekly web auction is all the rage right now with thousands of new bottles available every week with all types of great stuff ready for drinking with prices starting at $20. That's right, 20 bucks. With hundreds of selections for less than $100 every month, there are tons of wines to choose from. If you're looking for fun, new, or aged bottles to try, each week brings a new assortment of the world's finest and rarest wines, often in try em out sizes. Also, there's no reason not to be buying at auction, especially when the finds are this good. In addition, the retail store is stocked with thousands of items to choose from, including lots of cutting-edge stuff. Go to ackerwines.com to get in on the action and take your cellar and drinking habits to the next level. That's ackerwines, A-C-K-E-R, wines.com. Use the promo code BWG25 to get $25 off any purchase of $100 or more. Retail only. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey, hey, everybody, what's up? It's your boy, MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is a second-generation sommelier, a restaurateur, and the U.S. ambassador for Charles Heidsick Champagne. Philippe Andre is in the house. Uh, many of you know him by his IG handle, Nick Sam. Uh, Philippe first developed a passion for hospitality and wine education growing up in the fine dining restaurant business. He answered his professional calling working as the wine director at his family's highly esteemed French-American restaurant, Oceanique, in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, there, he managed a cellar of over 1,300 bottles and oversaw, oversaw a dedicated Somalia team. Uh, this intro... I'm two to two in a row, a lot of champagne. So just, we just keep it authentic here on the Black Wine Guy experience. Um, <clears throat> in 2013, Philippe accepted a winemaking apprenticeship at the Montazi Estate, which is a biodynamic vineyard that's located in Oregon's Willamette Valley. Uh, after that harvest, um, he returned to Chicago to join one of the nation's leading rare and fine wine auction houses, Hart Davis and Hart Wine Company, where he sourced and shared wine. Uh, baller bottles uh, with passionate collectors all around the world um, with a desire to expand his skill set further into the luxury wine and spirits market. He accepted a portfolio manager position with uh, the Moe Hennessy USA team at Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits, where he received national awards for record sales success on prestige champagnes and cognac. And in 2018, Philippe was offered a chance of a lifetime and accepted the U.S. ambassador role at Charles Heidsick to relaunch the historic brand in New York and to bring the wines of Creer onto the grand stage that they deserve. Uh, welcome, Philippe. Is there anything else you'd like to add? 
Let's go. Philippe <laughs> <laughs> and I connected via Instagram. Yeah, if you guys, you know, we'll, uh, you, if you're not following him, you will be after this podcast. Uh, he's just, you just heard like there, let's go. He just has an amazing energy. And, I, you know, I can't think of a better person to, to, to help relaunch an iconic brand. We're going to get into that. Uh, tell us about the wines you brought tonight, bro. Yeah. Thanks, MJ. Um, really proud to be here. Uh, it's been 15 months in the making to, to get here with yeah. you. So um, really excited to celebrate with one of the most iconic wines out in the world, which is um, Charles Heitzig Champagne. Um, we're a small family-owned house. Um, located in the heart of the region, uh, the town is called Rance, um, about an hour outside of Paris, just uh, northeast. And we specialize in wines that showcase not only the region, but really its depth and ability to age perfectly. Um, I've always told po folks that Champagne was my first love as a psalm. Um, and the, one of the major reasons of that is because it defied uh, a lot of the rules that I was taught early on with, you know, white wines not being able to age, white wines not pairing with all types of food and then more importantly not white wines not being as prestigious as red wines so i'd like to say we break all those barriers at yep. the winery um we also are kind of like the black sheep in champagne so it's very very honorable and fitting that um i was asked to I represent <laughs> a black man with so i gotta <laughs> first of all like i you know i know you did an ig live with bruno uh, Almeida, yeah. Bruno yeah. Almeida, Dramalier, and like, what kind of? Pro I need a new producer. Like she's like, you can't have fucking guests on a show who look better than me. They they both they're both taller than me. They got better hair than me. It's it's a it's a healthy diet I, I of mean, champagne foie gras. You know, and that's, it's mean, really simple in cigars. You got to do. I mean, all I'm, I mean, I'm not <laughs> ugly, but like, damn man, it, you know, I'm like shit. I mean. I don't know. We got to talk to the producer about your makeup regimen, but, know, but I think, I think it's those three <laughs> things I was telling you, champagne, foie gras and cigars, and we'll get you sorted. We'll get you sorted. All right, bro. So, All right. You mean, um, you mean, you mean, you mean I could grow still? <laughs> yeah. One day, one day you could be a champagne ambassador too. I think that's the beauty I of think, it. I think um, I could, man. <laughs> well, I'm trying, I'm trying to show everybody else because you know, a lot of people said this was not possible. A lot of people, you know, would say that, you know, you, you, this is this is not realistic, and I've been told that before in interviews. So you know, this is a big uh, thank you for that motivation yeah, uh, yeah. to be here, and so proud to be with a family that you know respects that I'm different and, and celebrates that I'm different. Yeah. So let's definitely talk, <laughs> dive deeper than that later. But you know what, we like to I like to start at the beginning of okay. things. Um, and but 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 this shows off to a great start. Mm. Um, all right, you're from Chicago. Yes. Um, yes. Um, Evanston, just north of Chicago, where Northwestern University is. So yeah. Born um, so this is crazy. I mean, it's so crazy because we just had uh, Marquita Levy on. I, 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 that's E Town right there. Right. We went to the same I, high school. I, I, um, shut by the, the way, fuck up. Uh, just a few years apart, but we, we, I finally got her a bottle of proper champagne the other day. <laughs> uh, we've been on many Zoom calls. I've never met her in person, actually. Okay. And I hosted a, a tasting that she joined us on, and I had to send out 68 bottles of Charles Heitzig champagne in order to get one in her hand. So I was honored that um, everyone came along with us, and uh, we got it done. <laughs> E-Town. Yeah, shout e -town. out. Shout out to E-Town. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, E-Town, Northwestern. Um, 
but your name is very French. <laughs> yeah. And your Instagram handle is is very French. Yes. And yes. Your family's restaurant focused on uh, French American fusion. Um, help a brother out. <laughs> Connect the dots. Yeah. So um, let's see. I was so my mom was born in Evanston. My father was born in Haiti, uh, and they met basically growing up about two blocks apart from each other. Mm. And um, so that's where I got the very French uh, name. Um, and I'm actually named after my uncle Philip. So it's, uh, but everyone calls me Philippe. And so there it is. Um, my father unfortunately passed away when I was really young. And my mother remarried uh, a chef who has a French restaurant. And so it just all kind of, you know, came together that way. Um, it's a, it's a fascinating, um, place where I came from, but it, I think it makes so much sense when you, when you get to spend some time with me. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, so like that's interesting because, um, it's very French, all that, you know, the French influence because of Haiti and, and, but like, I know like. Chicago area has a lot of Eastern European influence. Like, did, mm-hmm. they, did, they, did that ever? I'm half Polish and half Haitian. So uh, there you go. Okay. Uh, we, we are like, yeah, the largest amount of Polish folks outside of Warsaw is, in, is, is the Chicago land area. Um, and then there just happened to be like a pocket of Haitian families that all came to Evanston because there was a Haitian family that was there and they were helping people get jobs. And it just, that's how it, that's how it happened. It's crazy. I mean, I love, but I, that's what, I mean, like, I love those stories of like, you know, people of color, like, you know, like, like in, well, fucking Minneapolis, which has been news, but there's so many uh, people from Somalia. Like it just like mm-hmm. one, it's like one person comes and then they help other people. And that's yep. how you end up with, yep. you're like, why is there such a, why is there a Haitian population? Because someone came and was like, yo, listen, we're finding our American dream. We're going to help you find your American dream. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. that's very interesting. Yes. I mean, literally it's really simple. It's, hey, it's safe and there's work. So if you, you know. And that's, come through. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> and that's it. And, and, and <laughs> you know? people take that for granted. People, mm-hmm. people understand, mm-hmm. like, so many people, like, come from countries like Haiti. I mean, Haiti paid a huge price for being – for liberating itself, yeah. like, before 1800. Like, mm-hmm. they, the, the, mm-hmm. they've been, un, you know, just embargoed and just kept out of trade because they were like, get the fuck out of here, France. Like, you know, and, yep. and they paid a price. Um so it's not a safe place. I mean, it's a you know the poverty. So like you said, like the safety, right? Like mm-hmm. I mean, and um, and and it's also like in Poland, like World War Two, people you know escaped, and then and then but then you have this melting pot. So wow. Mm-hmm. So he's half Polish, half Haitian. I explain <laughs> that good ass hair. I, I'm say, I say I'm Palatian. <laughs> Palatian. Pol- Palatian. So yeah, I, I haven't I haven't met many other no I, I Polonites. Um, <laughs> Like myself. No, no, I, 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 um, there's a few out there. I, uh, <laughs> actually dated a woman who was Polish and Jamaica, Polish and Jamaican. Mm. Um, but it's not Polishian. I, it's Pol, Pol, Um, we're making up words here today. <laughs> wow. Um, so you mentioned earlier your family is in a restaurant business and you said your, your, yep. uh, your, your uh, stepfather mm-hmm. uh, had a restaurant. Tell me about that restaurant. Yeah. So um, my father worked for a very famous um, French chef out in uh, the suburbs of Chicago, this restaurant called Le Francais. And in its heyday, it was essentially like 
you know, it was the French Laundry. Uh, people flew in. There's a private airstrip mm. nearby it in Wheeling, and people would literally fly in on their private jets from all over the world to go and have dinner there. And so my pops was there for a few years, and that's really where he got exposed to haute cuisine. But he was already on his way, but but that that's a whole nother story. And um, I've, I've been fortunate to meet a lot of other chefs that spent time working in that kitchen under um, Chef Jean Bonchet. And um, it shows in his cuisine. It shows in his dedication to his craft um, and just the techniques that he picked up there that were passed on from generations of French chefs. Um but his dream was always to open his own restaurant. And so when he had the opportunity, he jumped at it. Um, so found a location in Evanston, just south Evanston, um, not too far from the city, but not too far in the burbs. Um, we just celebrated our 32nd year um, in wow. February. So we, we made it, you know, and we're, we're proud that we are still here. And um, the community has really rallied behind us from day one when everything kind of hit, hit, hit the fan. Um, and I've done you know, I've done I've done what I could to help out. It's really hard to feel like you're on the sidelines of this, but um, yeah, we made it and we're going. <laughs> you know, it's incredible. That that I mean, I had a buddy on. He's a chef and he's at a restaurant. People don't understand how hard it is to keep a restaurant going. Yeah, for a yeah. fucking year. Yeah, let alone thirty two, no. man. I'll tell you, it's really simple. You you work on consistency. Um, so my pops cooks on the line every night. I mean, wow. he's not a expediter, um, so he stands there in his spot. I always joke that you know, on any given day, usually I can look at my phone and I can know where he is because he stands in that spot, <laughs> literally. You know, um, and I think one of these days we got to put like a gold plaque in his spot on the floor. It'd be amazing to do that for him. He's definitely earned it. Um, so he specializes in seafood and mostly fish. So French fish he has a beautiful influence of asian uh cuisine as well korean and japanese but um he's the fish guy so anything um you you know that's 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 you can be rest assured he's been fedexing fish to his place since the 80s mm. you know uh went before anybody else was doing it um always working with the best purveyors and um showcasing what it's like to have a dining experience that's very regal and at the same time just really thoughtful so the other incredible thing is that he he knows uh, and is super passionate about wine and so that was an incredible influence on me and the ability that he had to invest into our cellar um at one point we had over 1300 different selections on the mm. list um that's not something easy to pull off without um you know the financial backing of an owner usually and yeah. so when you have a chef right that is the owner that understands what you know wine can do for your meal and the experience with the cuisine you know it's uh is is pretty incredible combination yeah so what was that like as a as a kid man were um, <laughs> were your parents always working Did, were you were you, were you sitting at the cuz first of all like you you went to like to one of the best public school systems in the country oh yeah so yeah. we're like you sit at the bar doing your homework you know yeah i, I was a restaurant brat i mean <laughs> pretty much after school i would get a ride from a friend you know a friend's parents to take me to either the restaurant or to our apartment at the time and you know depending on the day i usually was at the restaurant so i i found my way there well the restaurant's not open for lunch so typically i could hang there um and then there were nights even where you know i would go to the restaurant to 
hang out and you know they're they're doing their thing after work and i'm there i, I used to love playing on the computer in my mom's office so it was like <laughs> it was a good trade-off you know i got to go do that and have that experience but i grew up in that environment and more importantly i just saw hospitality i saw small business life i saw passion um and i saw creativity all come together at an early age and you know we we would we would, we valued wine and food in a very different way than most of my friends did growing up. And there was so many instances where I tried to share some of that with my friends by either bringing them to our restaurant for dinner or, you know, um, taking friends out to, to dinners with us. And it was just so interesting because I realized it's like, it's almost like a religion, you know, <laughs> and you're like, you're in church and you're like, I don't know this, this prayer. And, but like, I, I want to be respectful. And so that's probably the way that my friends felt like when we took them out to like, you know, a Japanese restaurant and they're like, I've never had sushi before. And we're like, you know, you're nine, like catch up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, like let's go. What's wrong um, you, man? So that was, that was, that was my, you know, that was my world. And there were summers where, you know, the restaurant would close for about a month so that my pops could travel and go meet another chef and have some time off. And, you know, there's a summer where I'm, I'm trying to do like sports and it's like, well, we're going to this country to go meet this chef. Like, so what do you want to do? You know, it's like, do you want to do sports? Or do you want to go do this? And um, so, yeah, it was, that's, that was my world growing up. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> totally crazy. Um, <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> like, well, now, you know, you want to you want to play basketball? Or you want to go meet this Michelin star chef? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, at the time, I'm like, I don't. I want to play basketball. <laughs> yeah. What is what is this place? El Bulli in Spain. Like, I don't I don't know. Like, what? Oh, what? You know, what? Why? Okay, fine. Let's go. All right. Let's go. <laughs> um. I mean, it's so funny, but I mean, it's just, it's just amazing, right? Like, like, I want to back up to something you said. So I also another thing I don't think people understand who don't really work in hospitality, like, like it's actually pretty easy to cook a fucking steak, like to cook fish really well. Like that, that's like some, you're like, that's like, that's because it's, it can go south so fast. And the fact that he, that's what he did he was the fish guy. He was the fish guy. Um, and then also you said, because I've had other guests on, like most restaurants have investors, mm-hmm. people who put up a shit ton of money to open the restaurant, mm-hmm. um, and and then Psalms get to go. It's like it's like a kid in a kid. It's like a kid in a candy yeah. store. Like you just go auction and you know go ape at the auction, like Jay Z said, and you you know you fucking buying bottles. Like how. Have you talked to your dad? Like, how did was how did he come to understand um, the importance of food and wine? And how was he able? I mean, like, to to cure, curate a list like that because this is on his own dime. I mean, that's like that's some. Yeah, I mean, he he did um, find some some in, initial investors to help him open, mm-hmm. um, but it was extremely you know on a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. Um, what he had was great talent around him. He had great experiences from travel mm-hmm. and his previous work experience. Um, so I think he knew kind of what it could be, and then eventually he would just refine it and refine it and refine it. And one of the things that I was just so impressed to hear once I kind of got a little more involved in the business. And to see is that he would reinvest in the business by buying more wine. Mm. <laughs> so it was literally like, I'm not going to buy a new kitchen. I'm going to buy, you know, um, more burgundy, <laughs> you know. And, and so it takes a very kind of um, 
a little crazy person, but also just a very well thought out person to understand that, look, like that is an investment that goes into your property. It's an elevated experience for your guests. And you obviously can charge for that experience when you have the right wines. And so I think a lot of operators and restaurateurs usually don't have any wine or hospitality experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they look at a sommelier or a wine director as someone they have to have, but they try to pay them the least amount right. possible. Like, oh, I got to pay somebody else. And then 50, they give 000, them and, and like, and like, they give them the most ridiculously small budget. Yeah. So they can't even like use their craft <laughs> to grow a community. And I think that's some of the things that I've seen over the last few years. That's been really hard to watch is these restaurant groups that are medium sized and they look, they look so sexy and they spend a ton on the design and they've got the, you know, the famous chef, and they literally are trying to bring in a psalm for $50,000 and, you know, their their monthly booze budget is like, okay, we've got 100 wines and we can't afford to buy more wines. We can only afford to buy our wines by the glass. Like, why are you even hiring a psalm then? Yeah. Just yeah. just have, just pay a consultant to do the list and then hire a manager. Like, yeah. that's 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 it. And it's, it's tough because it literally strangles our profession. So, um, going back to my father, yeah, I, I got really lucky learning from someone that understood the business, I think, understood the opportunity of the profession. And it was, it was, it was obvious that we needed that person. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I was going to be that person mm-hmm. until it hit me. And, um, I realized that, you know, wine is a language you can connect with people that no matter what their background is, um, in a few short questions or moments, we're instantly like in sync and the experience can be so much greater than if somebody were just pick up the book and look through it and say, I want that one. And then, you know, go on with their meal. L7, please. Yes. Yeah. Like, I'll take bin number 22-3. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, like, that's, that's I totally understand. No disrespect to the bin numbers. Like, that's, that's totally, totally get it. But, you know, what I loved is being able to kind of be like a DJ, like a seller DJ, and create a playlist. And people come in and say, yo, I really liked that jam last time. So hit me with another one, you know, <laughs> hit me with another jam. Cause that was a burner last time. And then next thing you know, they're like, dude, you know what? You got the playlist. Just go. Here's, here's the budget. Just go. And then, and then now you're like, yeah, we're grooving. So, um, yeah. So you obviously, duh, obviously this, these experience really helped shape your palate being exposed to like crazy. I mean, like, to, to this this high level of cuisine and dining at a young age um, like you know in, in, in the research I mean did you go off to college what did you do after you graduated from high school yeah I, I um, so I, I went to school to play sports and I quickly found out that um, I'm a person of color <laughs> <laughs> and um, unfortunately I was I was put in a tough spot um, okay. and I wasn't really ready for it um, I think Growing up in Evanston, I was in very much of in a bubble. Yeah. And when I left Evanston, I went to school in Virginia. Uh, I was not in Evanston anymore. Uh, and uh, I had a pretty horrific experience there that took me years to really kind of reflect on. But it wasn't the right space for me. And I ended up leaving school early and came back to Evanston. And I started working for my family. And next thing you know, I was like, you know, this is it. Like, I... I'm into this. I want to learn about wine. So I'm studying. I'm reading every book I could. Mm-hmm. Um, really trying to focus on what drove me, mm-hmm. like finding what, you know, what I love and what I wanted. Um, and so that was a big turning point for me. 
to push into that world and say, you know what, like, I'm not going to go the normal route that everybody, you know, is, is telling me to or, or is expecting me to. But more importantly, I just felt like I believed in, in, in our business, in the wine industry, and more importantly, hospitality. I had no idea where it would take me, to be quite honest with you, but I believed in it and I had to just push. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you come back from Virginia and you're going, you're going, and you're going all in and like you love hospitality. Um, how, how long did you work? Like, so how long did you work for your family restaurant and, um, did your dad I'm still working for them. <laughs> Once you're in the family, you never get out. It's, it's you like know, you answer the call late and you become a consigliere or whatever. I was going to say, yeah, it's like, you're still the advisor. All right, so, I'm so, still so, going. So. Let me, let me, uh, I'll rephrase your honor. Started when I was seven. <laughs> I'll rephrase your honor. Um, uh, when you got back, like, mm -hmm. did 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 he just hand over the reins to wine no. to you, or, or like, how how did you no, transition I mean, this, into? This, I mean, this is this place is my pop's dream, mm -hmm. and you know, I had to show him that I was committed, um, and I also had to do a lot of uh, growing up at the same time, so a lot of uh, maturation and refinement, understanding what I wanted. You know, it started with. You know, valeting cars, uh, hosting, bussing tables, washing dishes, uh, finally taking some tables and then, you know, becoming more of a maitre d' and uh, a manager slash somager slash, you know, somager. slash a new mixologist. It is a that. terrible term, but no, I hate it. But, um, but no, I, I mean, I just showed him that I was eager to learn more and to really like give back and, and invest my time in the business. And I think he saw it as somebody that, you know, he, he saw that I had, you know, a little something, you know, with the customers. And I think because of my ability to feel confident, because it was my home, you know, and I knew how much effort my parents put into it. I knew how important it was to be better. Um, I think he saw that I was committed to being that person. And so eventually I got the reins of the wine program and the front of the house and, you know, the beverage program. And it was almost 10 years that I spent on the floor. So, yeah, it was, it was a crazy, crazy ride. I, I always joke that I was like, I think I was fired like 120 times in that <laughs> 10 years. But I was just, you know, it would just show up on Monday and everything's okay. But, um, no, I learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I know, um, you know, we live in this world, and I, I was talking to another guest about this. Where, you know, social media is an amazing thing, but it also there's a there's a side of it that makes things seem easier they are mm. than they are to achieve. Yeah, um, I know the type of dedication it takes to to do fine wine at the highest level. I mean, ten years, right? I mean, you, like you said, you know, you started the valet, you do this, you know, you, you, and you like uh, the toilets clogged, you would probably you know, plunge in the toilet. You know I mean, like. I've seen it all, man. I can't say I've done it all, but I've seen it all. <laughs> but, but like, kind of speak to that. I mean, because, like, obviously we'll, we'll delve into this more later, but, like, I mean, you have uh, – it's – now I'm sitting here, it's completely you, like, your personality on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, I, I read somewhere – like, I'm, one of my favorite things, like, it takes 10 years to become an overnight success, right? It's like, mm -hmm. like you said, mm -hmm. like, it really took you – like, what kept you going – during this time period to, 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 for, for, to, to, to what drove you to keep learning and to keep improving and, and to want to be in this game at the highest level? 
Um, I think what we're drinking right now, honestly, <laughs> you know, you taste something unique and you're like, wow, this is why I put up with all that bullshit. Like, this is such a unique experience. Um, being able to be taken into history or to a place, wine becomes that like inspiration to say, look, you have to do this, this is this in order to get this experience. And, you know, I never saw it as like a monetary thing. I saw it as I wanted to have and share those experiences with others. And so I think for me, it was every night there was an opportunity to have that type of rewarding experience with a guest. And so it kept kind of filling my cup, you know, mm. in terms of like the success of building a team and having the team work well and grow and develop and become stronger. And in many ways, I felt like I was like a coach, you know, and I was managing my own team. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, you know, I could show them how it's done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it was very, very cathartic in that way of like you, you, you get to the office, you put in the work and you, you can look your client in the eye and say, look, we, we took great care of you and we hope to see you again. And then they come back next week and you're like, great. That, that was the ultimate seal of approval that we're onto something here. So I think for me, it was tough because again, a lot of the expectations I had from my family and a lot of close friends was that I should be going to business school or I should be going to law school. Um, and instead I believed in this hospitality world mm -hmm. of taking care of others mm -hmm. and more importantly, finding my passion through wine through those experiences. And, um, yeah, I didn't know it at the time, but I needed that. I needed that time for sure in order to get to where I am now. Yeah. So what had you, uh, apply to or accept the, uh, winemaking apprenticeship in Willamette Valley at, uh, Montage <laughs> how'd that come to All right. come so to fruition? I, I know there's going to be some or wine fam listening. Um, so I have to say it's Willamette. Uh, yeah, I, damn I, it. I, and, and they, they, and you know what? Uh, I cause they said did, it to me when I got I know, there. The, I did a like, IG live. It's Willamette. Damn it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm from Jersey. And Fuck it. I, I know it's your show. I'm not here. <laughs> no, you know, uh, I'm just, no, thank you for correcting me. But, I, but I, I got you. Fam. All time. Good looking um, at See, that's why. <laughs> It's not about me. It's about the guests. <laughs> no. Um, I surround myself with people who are smarter than me. I, that's, that's, that is a great rule to live by. Uh, hence, yeah, your, producer. Your producer exactly. over here. Um, so for me, I felt like I had reached a point professionally at the restaurant that we were either going to open another restaurant or I needed, to, I needed to grow in some way professionally. Mm -hmm. And it was hard to make that decision um, because to take that apprenticeship i had to leave for a long period of time and it was a big commitment so um i think for me it was just like look you know the restaurant is 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 my father's dream and it's not mine um it was a, a place an incubator for my dream mm. and so i found my dream there um and i knew that it i needed to push myself into a different space in order to see if that was attainable and so Production was something that I always saw was like super noble and like, you know, like you're working together as a team, you're busting your ass, very similar to like if anybody ever played football, you know, you, you look next to your left and right and you can, you can, you can accept that this is going to suck, but we're going to get it done together. <laughs> and then you're going to come out of it and being like, wow, I can't believe we accomplished that as a team. Right. So, um, that for me was uh, a big turning point in my life without that decision. 
um, I don't think I would be in the role that I'm in right now because I think I, I could easily have still been at the restaurant. But it really started from my opportunity going out to Oregon for what's called Oregon Pinot Camp. And the way that I was received and welcomed was unreal uh, to have that experience to the whole community of the Valley. It made me want to be a part of the community there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like looking for a way to be involved in some sort of, you know, facet. Um, I, I did look at apprenticeships in Sonoma. Um, I wanted to, you know, make Pinot mm-hmm. and Chardonnay. But when the opportunity came in Oregon, I was like, yeah, I, I have to do this. So, um, Talk about – so it's interesting. So you said you wanted to make Pinot and Chardonnay. Um, why Sonoma and Oregon? Because me, I, lo- I listen – well, Russian River Valley, Sonoma Coast, Shards and Pinots, they're some of my standard go-tos, you know what I mean? Like, So, like, why, how did you kind of zone in on those regions? Um, cheapest for me to get to. Okay. And I don't speak French. So, um, <coughs> yeah. Uh, um, uh, I'm, I'm the pardon? F- yeah, I'm the, I'm the one. Philippe André? Uh, yeah, I have Je super ne French. Pas, pas, I don't speak French. Je ne parle pas so, français? I probably could have you know, did it, but getting my foot into Burgundy would have been much more challenging. Yeah. I think I, I, I would, I would love to do a harvest in Burgundy, <laughs> um, maybe five years ago, <laughs> but, but I think for me, I was, it was less intimidating to go into the U S and feel confident that I could really be hands on sure. and sure. involved and not be like, what did he say? I have no idea what he's telling me to do. I have no what to do. You know what I mean? And like, um, that's reason why. And then, you know, secondly, again, I think Oregon, Oregon Chardonnay and Pinot is better than Sonoma. So that's kind, of, kind of my preference. But it's all preference. Um, <laughs> I've, I've come up on some that are very good. <laughs> I'm a little bit older than you. Some, some, but, but some of them, you know, every region has to struggle to find its area. But now, like, there's some people who are making some. Some, there's some killer shit coming out without it. I'm, yeah, I'm no shade on my Cali. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just know, saying. No, I know. Um, and that's you know, I, I just like terroir and vintage variation. Oh, come on, dog. No, right. no shade. He said. He said. It's like it's like 85 <laughs> layers of shade. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm I mean, really I kidding. Mean, I just okay. I'm I think, sorry. I think 8.5. Not. I'm sorry. Not yeah. 85. No, I know what you're saying. No, no, I just I, I felt I mean, wanted. Yeah. I felt wanted. No, I was gonna and, ask you that. I was, you know, there was nobody in Sonoma that was calling me being like, yo, come through. Exactly. So like, different. I mean, and, and like, so like, tell me about that. That was, it was called a, a Pinot camp. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Pinot camp because I, I had a similar, like I ended up at Santa Barbara because the first place I went and went to the Central Coast Wine Classic. Okay. And like people like, you should move here. And for three months later, I moved. I'm like, like literally people like were yeah. nice and wanted me. So yeah. What was Pinot Camp about, and like, what was that like? Because you're, you're, I mean, you're a person of color, you're a big yeah. dude, you, you have a personality, a match, your, you know, stature. Like, they were like, what was that like? Um, so the the Oregon Pinot Camp is pretty straightforward. It's 240 wine professionals from all over the world uh, descend upon the Willamette Valley for two days, and they are broken up into seven teams. And each team gets their own yellow school bus. And they drive you around the valley for 48 hours, essentially, tasting <laughs> and meeting is, all is the Is there people. a short bus? Is there like one? Um, just... <laughs> thankfully, there is not a short bus. Okay. I think they could probably make an exam- uh, excuse for a one for you. Um, <laughs> not an example. But 
No, it, it, it literally was like camp. It reminded me of being back, you know, in that time. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of nostalgia, which was great. But it was just so incredible to have the access to the producers, their properties. Um, and they came up with cool days and activities that you could pick. I mean, it's a brilliant idea. Honestly, I... I, I got to steal it. I got to do a champagne camp. I mean, honestly. Oh, dude. You know, we got to do a champagne I camp. I love it. You heard it here first. Champagne camp <laughs> is coming. We bringing it to y'all. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Or at least he is. I don't know if I'm being, if he's going to invite me after we finish up. Oh, no. No, no there's always room. There's always room. There's always room. Because we, we got to bring some color to champagne. <laughs> uh, we talked about it the other day uh, at the call that I was on. I was like, let's let's make champagne black. Yes. <laughs> yes let's sir. do it. Let's do it. Um <laughs> So, uh, Mumtazi, that was a, uh, it's a biodynamic estate, right? Yeah. So family owned property, they make wine. Uh, the label, of the winery is called Mesara. Um, and See, so I, I was going to say it's Mesara. I'm, yeah. so I, like, I, I'm, you know what? I major communications. I uh. speak pretty well, but I, this is where the Jersey comes out. Like, mm. I'm like, well, I'm it. And I know, and I know it's Willamette, but like, That's... and, 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 and how do you say it? Ma, ma, ma. Mesara. Okay, there we go. Mesara. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I got invited to, to work there. And there was a, uh, another apprenticing winemaker from Australia. And so it was literally like me and him, you know, washing, cleaning, moving, everything all you the, could All the imagine. sexy stuff you think about. When you oh, think about yeah. wine, it's like, no, you name go, it. go clean that fucking I tank. cleaned Move it. that over here. I, I got my um, power washing badge, like, you know. <laughs> um <laughs> So when you see all my medals from that I, year's harvest, have the WSET for power washing certificate, <laughs> you know, and and here I am, like you know, this kid who I was wearing like Tom Ford suits, you know, selling DRC on the floor, and now I'm power washing old barrels and you know moving bins and scrubbing them by hand and and all the fun stuff. And that's the beauty of our craft is that when you have that experience, you understand what it takes to make a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And I remember um kind of being halfway through harvest or or I would say, you know, towards the latter part, and my hands were literally soaked with they were soaked red from just all the work with dirt and juice and i remember seeing uh, a a winemaker um uh, jason let from the irie vineyard and i remember he grabbed my hand he turned it over he goes those are honest hands you're one of us now you're one of us you know you you put in the work okay now we can go have a taco and drink some beers you know yeah and and that was again you know like a, a a a, a badge of or initiation approval, right? A pass, right? A passage, yeah. and you know the experience of just really working together as a team and getting it done was so rewarding and um, yeah, incredible experience. <laughs> so you, you have that amazing experience, which is really cool. Yeah, and and and, and you 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 confirmed what I've heard for years, and I've lived in wine country is like. Uh, get in, and get out. Get in, get out. But also, but also, it's like tacos and beers. Like we're not drinking, we're not drinking Pinot Noir. Like we, yeah. we, we want some fucking beer and some tacos. Pinot shit's boring. Exactly. You can't drink it every day. You can't drink it every day. What it's, you can drink every day is champagne. champagne. Absolutely. The dude is a professional. He's got that champagne plug. In. Uh, <laughs> All right. So yeah. you come back to Chicago. Yep. Um, yep. And then, in uh, the research my production team did i didn't realize we had this in common we we both worked in wine auctioneering yeah so um i got an opportunity to come back and work for hart davis hart um 
I, I was not an auctioneer. I was just m mostly working with clients selling either wine retail or... Yeah, and I never had Tom me. Ford suits, so I mean, like, I to understand. <laughs> I, I was um, up there in like some, you know, some Bobo closed auctioneering. Huh? YOLO. Yeah, YOLO. Exactly. <laughs> um, but what I, what I also, what I loved about that is it affirmed, in my opinion, that hospitality is something that can transcend almost any... Uh, industry mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know you take care of people you do right by them and you know you're either you're in the right place and more importantly you've you can show something really valuable to your clients and i'll never forget one of the first weeks i was there um there was a client that was hosting a dinner and something something happened a bottle that the client needed for one of these like crazy horizontal dinners did not show up or was missing and um our marketing director at the time, Mark Smoller, I think called a local restaurant here in New York to arrange to have a bottle sent on loan to fit. And then we basically replaced the bottle. Mm -hmm. And I just remember it being like a crazy couple hours of like, can we pull this off? Can we pull this off for this client? And we did. And he did a great job. And it just showed me. I was like, whoa, okay, all right. Like, I'm in the right place. And not only that, I mean, the wines and the clients that we had, it was, it was the tip of the spear. Um, I'd never experienced the wine, um, uh, world like that. It just, it was like the budgets were limitless. Mm -hmm. The craziest wines were mm -hmm. available mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, the provenance was impeccable. Mm -hmm. And so being able to tie all those three things together, it was like, holy shit, like we're not just drinking Cheval Blanc, we're drinking 49 Cheval Blanc out of Magnum on a Tuesday just to like see how it's doing right now. Like, cause that's just what we do, you know? And so I'm standing around, you know, some of the greatest wines ever produced with incredible amount of age. And I'm picking up how, you know, how clients buy, how they operate, what they like, how they like to be taken care of and why they buy, or sometimes like how, like bizarrely, you know, the requests are, <laughs> but, um, it just showed me like another side of the world and wine that I'd never been exposed to before. I thought I was cool, you know, selling, you know, a couple bottles of DRC every quarter <laughs> at my, my little mm -hmm. hole in the wall restaurant. Mm -hmm. Um, instead this was like, how do we get more cases, you know, of that? And how you know, like whatever you can get, get it all. <laughs> you know no, I mean? I mean it. It people. I mean it. I mean that's like that was my fortune to fall into. Like it's a different world. That's a whole. I mean, like yeah. when you talk luxury, like literally, um, you know, you go to these client dinners and and you're sitting there and the fucking bottles that are just being poured and just brought out. Like I said, on a Tuesday, mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned that Cheval Blanc. Cheval Blanc is one of my favorite wines mm -hmm. ever. Um, what it's all right. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. It didn't, it didn't. It's a little old school. You're yeah. showing your age now. Yeah, I know. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you still got a pager? <laughs> I got a Sky pager. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I, I got, got a, a, I got a, pager I got a Sky right pager. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was I? I had a page in that pager, son. You weren't even, I don't even, you were even born, man. Uh, for the record, I, I was not cool enough to have a pager. <laughs> so I'm super jelly. Um, what were some of the just, just baller bottles you had when you were working in the auction world? Like, what are some, like, just rocked your world? I mean, Henri Jaillet, by far. Mm -hmm. Like, stupid. Just seeing stuff like that that 
I remember talking about with my pops because my dad had some and we would talk about it and how legendary it was and more importantly, the producer himself and how he revolutionized Burgundy winemaking. Um, and it was just so amazing because like when I was at Oceanique, our customers, nobody knew who Henri Jaya was or is. And I would even say even in Chicago, th there's like you go in the fine dining Psalm world, nobody knows that wine. Now I feel like people kind of do but there's still a lot of people that i'll say yeah we still have a couple mags of jaya in the cellar and they're like what's jaya and you're like oh okay like okay like mm, mm, see you when i see you, yeah, you, know? Like, uh, you know um we got but, this burgonia for you that might be but, better but no i think i think what it showed to me was that my pops knew his shit i mean yeah, like I'm, another I, that's kind of another producer like pure roque um incredible burgundy house producer I mean, my dad had this stuff in the cellar before it was obviously crazy expensive now. And we drank that shit like just for us, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, we sold a couple, but, um, we drank a lot of them. And in Chicago, there's the access is very different for restaurants than here in New York. I'm, I'm super, um, jelly of a lot of the, the <laughs> wines that come into this town, but I get it. We're a second city, you know, I get it. No, 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 you know, I get it. Um, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's no comparison. People, I, I mean, I mean, the reality I love my is, Chicago fan. I mean, the reality no is it comes over on a container and then it gets trucked over to you guys or doesn't. Yeah. Or doesn't. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? Or yeah. doesn't. No, I get it. 12 cases come to the U.S. Why would it leave New Jersey? I mean, it's really simple. Yeah. It, yeah. There's no reason for it. Um, so, yeah, I think I think those wines, being able to see them with age and obviously incredible provenance were unreal. Um, that was that was like when I was getting into my whole like Grand Cru Burgundy phase of drinking old stuff cheap. It was a perfect time where those wines were really accessible. I was buying them back from, you know, from Hart Davis Hart to drink on my own. And mm -hmm. that's when I really started doing the Graham thing. Um, IG had just came out. And I love being able to kind of tell a story with a picture. Um, and so that was like the beginning of you scroll all the way down to my beginning post of IG. It's like, yeah, it was, I was probably a heart Davis heart. Um, and I was probably drinking some stupid shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, here's where my age is going to show. I would be the king of Instagram if there was fucking Instagram in the, in the nineties with the fucking shit we used to do. Oh yeah. No, but we, it, was, it, it, was, it, little, but it was literally like. It, it wasn't. I mean, it, I, who yeah. knew it was going to be a thing? Like, no yeah. one even took pictures. It was just like, we've opened fifty bottles of wine yeah. that are amazing. So what a great night! Like now, exactly. now, now, now it's like, now like the wait staff is taking pictures and posting. They didn't even have any of that shit. I know. <laughs> you didn't even you didn't even drink those you didn't even wines. Drink it, bro. And you're posting. Them. No, like I love the Psalms that post the lineups at the end of the night, like the coolest bottles that they sold or whatever. And I actually used to do that on Facebook, but I realized that you know on Facebook nobody else other than your friends can see it. Right. Because it's not um, tribe. It's you know what's yeah. nice about Graham is you can get your tribe. Yeah, yeah. You, you, find your world. yeah you use a couple hashtags yeah. and now the whole world sees what you're doing. But what I loved about it is for me, I mean, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder being up in Evanston, is that I feel like the Chicago Psalms didn't know what I was doing and what I had. Right. I could because see that. this is pre social media. Yeah. So they're yeah. like, oh, this is kid from Evanston. Like, what's he doing at this DRC tasting? Like he's he's a DRC client? Like, oh, okay. Like he probably, you know, sells a bottle of and it's like, yo, if you only saw our <laughs> seller fan. Um so I would yeah, I would post lineup pictures on Facebook and obviously, you know, 
anyways, they, they were like a tree falling in, in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what I, what I love about it though, is you, when you see Psalms that post their lineups, you get a sense of like what they think is cool, right? What they're proud of, what they sold. Mm-hmm. And then also the caliber of clientele that that comes into their spot right, right. and their list. Like if you know, you know you can read, you, there's a yeah. major, it's, easy, like, it's okay. not even read between the lines. It's just yeah. right. It's out there blatant, but yeah. you know, but, but you have to have the, the experience to discern what, yeah. what's going on. And then, you know, all you have to do is send a quick note being like, yo, how was that tasting? I have a couple in the cellar. And they're like, oh shit, you have how many in the cellar? Yeah, that was really good. And, and next thing you know, like, yeah, we see eye to eye, we're good. Yeah. Oh, when are you coming to town? Great. All right. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. And now you get the tribe. Right. Like, yo, we get it. Right. <laughs> Let's right. roll. Right. right. Or, Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, man. Um, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break. I'm gonna pour myself some of this other bottle you brought to mm, 2006. Blanc de. <laughs> you want me to pronounce that one too? No, I'm gonna pronounce it like me, and you're gonna do it correctly. <laughs> Blanc de millionaires. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll fix that on the way back. We'll way back. All right, so hey, we'll be right back. If you're a fan of the show, you know that there would be no black wine guy experience without Acker Wines. America's oldest wine shop is now the world's destination for fine and rare wine. That's why I want you to go over to their website and check them out. Whether you're seeking the world's finest and rarest bottles or just something for everyday drinking, Acker Wines is the place to go to expand your palate and enhance your personal wine experience. Go to ackerwines.com. That's A-C-K-E-R wines.com. Use the promo code BWG25 to get $25 off any purchase of $100 or more. Retail only. Okay, we're back, and, and, and my shit's about to get corrected by the U.S. ambassador for Charles Hyde Sex Champagne. So what, what, what's the second bottle you brought? Yeah, so um, the first wine we had was our flagship wine. This is called the Brut Reserve. Mm-hmm. And um, the second wine we're moving to is a vintage wine, and... This is really special for us. We've only made this wine six times since 1983. And so we call this wine a Blanc de Millenaire. And this is really an homage uh, to our cellar, to our Crayer, um, to showcase the legendary access we have to incredible Chardonnay mm. and the most unicorn of cellars of all, which is our Crayer under the city of Reims. So um, this is an homage to our cellar and to our OG winemaker, Daniel Thibault. Um, who created this blend. Um, it's five crews from the Cote de Blanc, and literally they all have to come online at the same time. Um, so the stars have to line literally in the vineyard and in the cellar to create this experience. So um, 10 years on Lee's. Um, this is our, our, our new baby. We just released it last fall. So um proud to have it in your glass. Only a few of these bottles have even made it to New York yet because – Obviously, things because you're like fuck New York. I'm in Chicago now. He's no, like, ah, no, I'm just playing. No, it's just it's a no. it's a unicorn wine, and honestly, a lot of people sleep on it. Where I always joked, that, I mean, I was don't joke. I, this wine for me is like the Dark Knight okay. of champagne. This is the Batman, which, which I which I love. You know, Christian Bale as yeah, Batman. yeah, of course. I mean, this is the Black Label, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's very unassuming. But when it gets in your glass, you're like, whoa, shit, this is something very different than anything else I've ever had. Mm. So. No, it's a beautiful package. Um, now, um, let's 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 talk about your champagne and and your role as an ambassador mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for Charles Hightech. Um, how'd that come about? I mean, we we talked. We obviously we've weaved your way through your journey, but like. Did, did they just, did, did they just call you? Like, how'd that happen, man? Yeah. So, um, 
I left the auction house and went to another champagne importer, um, and I learned that side of the business. That was um, that was Moet Hennessy, right? It's called Moet Hennessy. Um, so I, 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 you know, I, it's you a know, Dutch Dutch family name. You know what's but. so dope? This and this is, this is why. This is, no, this is perfect. I love it. Um, like like. Like we have a we had, there was a saying we had in the office. It was no way Moe. Ah, that's that's how you remember that one. Ah, and then the other one, which everyone butchers, is uh, Vuv. Oh, so not instead of Vuv. Yeah, it's love, not and Vuv. I love it. Man. I love Vuv. You know, that's 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 how you help. I'm a poet, two. and I call it Moe. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, shout out, shout out to the LVMH fam. But. <laughs> Um, no, so I, I spent some time there and I okay. saw kind of how they manage their business and how they manage their brands. And, um, I had an incredible experience, but I, I, I really always wanted to be, you know, more you won involved. awards though, right? Like you were selling the shit out of that. I, I did, shit, I right? did put up a couple of things on the, on the shelf, you know, I put a few things on the shelf. <laughs> He's so modest. You know, yeah, yeah. um, but I realized that I was just, you know, it was a, there was an army and I was just a little, you know, a little, little pawn in the army. And I wanted to be a little more in charge. I wanted to be a little more involved. Mm. And I knew that really wasn't possible there at the time. Um, so I left and I started my own consultancy, um, managing some brands, uh, businesses, what and their year, what events. Year was that? This was uh, 2017. Okay. okay. 2017. Right. Um, and so I was doing events in like 16 states for various brands and um, – I got a call from a from a former competitor who's a dear buddy of mine, and he was like, "Hey, Philippe, these guys are looking for somebody. I don't know if you're interested, but I think you're the perfect person for it." And I was like, "Okay, like what is it?" And he was like, "It's Charles Heidsick, and um, they're looking for an ambassador." And I was like, "Oh man, like I've seen those ambassador roles. Like some of them are just very like." market marketing facing like you're on you know you just you stand and wave you know type of things and i was like i don't know if this is for me but champagne is my baby like to to be able to work for a champagne house one is is just always been a dream and and then two i wanted to think a little more about what this role would entail and so i did my work i looked into the brand and kind of saw some of the history a little bit more and Frankly, I was shocked at how hard it was for me to find information on the brand. Um, mm -hmm. In Chicago, I was just like, I've not seen the brand anywhere really. And um, I was like, well, they're, you know, this is really only one way. And then up, you know, all you can do is go up, right? <laughs> um, so I, I took the call and um, I had a great chat with the VP of the Americas. Um, I think we talked for almost two hours about life about champagne, about the business, about where things could go. And I realized that this person was very much curious about learning who I was mm -hmm. rather than just being like, this is what we need or what we want. And I was like, oh, wow, this is very different than LVMH. <laughs> you know, like this is, this is a very different experience. And so we continued the conversation and eventually they were like, look, we are going to hire somebody for this role. Would you be interested in applying? And so I went through the, through that kind of process and, um, it was a crazy ride. I mean, I, I didn't expect much of it personally, um, because I'd been in experiences before where I was, you know, either told that, 
you know, we're going to go with the white guy <laughs> um, because he's a white guy, you know, or whatever. And you need to um, listen to the episode I did with my boy, Michelangelo, where he, he like he said, first of all, you know, it's a white boy's game. Like, yeah. let's just be yeah. honest. Yeah. You know, and you're a big black dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm yeah, I got some work to do in the gym for sure. Um no, I mean, I mean, tall, like you know what I'm saying. I, yeah, I mean, you, yeah. I ain't come on, bro. I ain't dissing you, bro. <laughs> um, I appreciate that. No, and I think for me at that point, I was so kind of fed up with meeting with brands that were, you know, looking for another robot or looking for somebody that was not, you know, me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was like, look, I'm gonna be really honest. Like, this is who I am. Go and look at my Instagram. That's very much me. And if you're not into that, then this isn't the right fit. Mm. And they were like, no, 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 we're, we're good. Like, we, <laughs> we, no, we, we want that. And, um, so it was, it was, I, I can joke that it was love at first sight, but it, it truly was. And, um, I'll never forget, like, they invited me to come out to New York a couple of weeks before I officially started to meet with, um, our winery director, Stephen LaRue. And also our legendary winemaker, Richie's Camus, for rare champagne. Um, and I just thought that was – it was so sweet and generous of them to say, hey, look, you know, you don't need to do this because you're not officially starting the job. <laughs> but we'd love for you to be here to meet everybody, you know. And so I was like, yo, okay. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. So I came out for a couple of days and um, I'd already signed, by the way, to take the job. Mm-hmm. So I already knew this was happening. But – it was just like from from day one, they were like, yo, like, you're the guy. Like, go do it. Go kill it, you know? And I'll never forget that first coffee I had with Steven. I was super nervous. And it was like, you know, 9 a.m. at his hotel before his day. And um, I asked him, I was like, Steven, how do I represent Charles in the United States? And he goes, Philippe, you understand. You tell us how to represent Charles in the U.S. And, um, I think that just for me was like, um, I'm home. Like, Mm -hmm. this is the place for me. Um, and you know, I was like really super excited and proud that I had found a place that I could be me, celebrate me and like go and kill it because I knew that I didn't have anything holding me back. Yeah. And I remember just like, you know, it was like the, the mama I made it moment, (laughs) you know, like, okay. Like, you know, we were right. We did that. We did the right things. And, uh, so, um, yeah, the the rest was history after that. It was, it was pretty obvious. I was like, I'm going to go disrupt all this shit. Like all of the things that I was told not to do before I'm doing all of them (laughs) and I'm going to show you how much fun wine and more importantly, our brand can be. Mm. Um, I love it. I love it. Um, I'm, at the end of the show, too, I'm going to do a recap of all the pronunciations I messed up. But, but don't ask me to spell these words, though. No, but I, I will correct no, but you. But I'm not spelling but, is a story. Anyway, I'm, I want to go back to something you said before. Um, you said you, you were doing like your due diligence. You didn't say you didn't, you didn't use the word due diligence, but you couldn't find a lot about Charlie. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. He's got a crazy backstory. Tell everybody about. Oh man, Chuck. Charlie, yeah. Chuck. Champagne Charlie. So, um, what I was, I will, I will, you know, give you the short version because no, this literally got, is no, a long one. We got, listen, man. No, no, I'm telling you. No, this we is crazy. Talk, we, we have plenty of time. The stories are crazy. We, there is a literally a three hour movie on YouTube about Champagne okay. Charlie. Okay. But you know so, what? So give us, so the short version, we can get at least 30, 45 minutes out. Okay. Of 
<laughs> I'm just, I'm um, just like, no. Yeah. No, go ahead. Well, my no. wife will kill me if no, I okay. stay here only longer. We're good. We got, we, but I'm saying we have um, plenty of time and, and like, like this is going to be fun. And I, yeah. and, and I know I've heard dribs and drabs on some lives mm-hmm. done, but like, but champ, you know, champagne, Charlie, right. Chuck. So Chuck he's, H. he's, he's, uh, comes from a generation of champenoise families of, of, you know, business, business focused, um, education, passionate, um, daring individuals and that set the bar really high and he wanted to do something different. And, um, for one, he realized that, you know, a lot of the business in the, in the, in the Europe area was pretty much on lock. And at the time that he was around, everybody looked at the U S as, crazy territory they'd just gone through like the civil war and you know a lot of a lot of crazy stuff going on there why would you go do business with them and it's, it's savages we don't drink wine yeah yeah exactly and instead he was like no that's where i'm going like the new territory the new world so he started the winery in 1851 in 1852 he ended up here in new york um he was the first champagne house owner to ever come to the u.s what so um i i often will say that Charles was the Forrest Gump of the champagne uh, industry because he traveled through the U.S. for a few years and he'd been through it all. Um, he got arrested and locked up in New Orleans, uh, being accused as a spy. Um, he got bailed out of jail by Abraham Lincoln. Um, we served Charles Heitzig at Abraham Lincoln's second inauguration party. Um, Charles ended up actually owning uh, a piece of territory in the West, which is known in the city of, city of Denver. Um, and um, he ended up taking, he bought five miles of caves under the city of Reims for storing his wines and aging them. So, um, <laughs> dude got around. And, um, you know, incredible amount of experience and, and, and passion and guile really got him through that that time um and so to this day we 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 honor him and his legacy by making wine and his vision of aging wines long in the cellar and blending them and releasing them when they're ready and uh that's a that's a, a legacy that will live on and thankfully we have um a family owner that believes in that and um we're we're built for this we invest in it every year into our reserve tanks this is which is basically charles's direction we're filling it and we're going even further we're investing even heavier into our reserve tanks going forward so charles is back and <laughs> baby we black <laughs> let's go <laughs> i love that i love that um so like what is it like I mean, very few, you know, very few people of color in any field, like they give you like a blank checkbook, like, I mean, not I don't, money, but like, 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 you know, like, they're like, you tell us how to market this. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, that, I mean, it's guerrilla marketing, man. I'm, I'm doing this on a shoestring budget okay. with some of the greatest wines ever made. And so I saw it as if I can just get the bottles into people's hands, into their glasses, we're going to get this done. So about, you know, 70% of my budget from the first year went into samples. I mean, just think about that. Like I, I wanted to travel. I wanted to go see everybody. And I realized that, no, you know, New York is, New York is ground zero for us. Um, 
it was really about getting a foundation in New York before I could start, you know, going to other cities. Mm -hmm. I knew there were some great cities that we could get some things going either over phone or via email, but I knew I needed to be there as well. But for me, it was just like the sheer amount of people that needed to taste Charles mm -hmm. to either refresh themselves with the brand um, to meet me or to have the first experience with Charles was the most important thing. So it's pretty straightforward. It was get, you know, get your feet on the ground with bottles, walking into doors, opening bottles and pouring it for people and, you know, letting, letting the wine speak for itself, which mm -hmm. it deserves. And so, you know, you can talk about a marketing campaign and all the crazy shit I did on Instagram, but like all that was free. You know, I spent my time mm -hmm. building those things and doing those events and, and, you know, using those, those marketing kind of techniques, but there was no budget behind it. So it was strictly just straight product and great wine and, and getting around great people and completely disrupting the like multi-billion dollar machine that is the champagne industry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, David versus Goliath. Like, yo, what's up? Yeah. Let's go. Give me um, one shot. Is Charles related to the Piper high-tech mm, family? Okay, mm. so talk about that. Because yeah. the Piper's been around. Yeah, so Piper, uh, we go back to 1785. Um, and... Uh, the, the the winery is our owned by our same owner Christopher Descore now. Okay. Um, back in the day, they were independent, uh, but we are now we own all three uh, Heitzik houses. So we have Piper Heitzik, okay, Charles Heitzik, mm -hmm. and then our, um, our our crown jewel, which is rare champagne. So we have three. But houses. I've just I've just been seeing. The rare <laughs> pop up on social. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a bad boy, man. It's a it, bad boy. Is it? <laughs> it's a bad boy. So, I mean, Piper for me is like your sports car. Uh, Charles for me is like a Bentley. And rare is like your track car. If I could yeah, show you yeah, kind of yeah, what it's like. Yeah. Okay. So, that's that's the that's our world our 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 our, um, our triforce <laughs> of bubbles, um, but so you know I mean it's it's interesting so yeah there is a connection that we have from our ownership but um, the winemaking teams are all individually separate. Um, obviously at Charles, we have such a unique cellar and aging space for our wines. So he still owns that five miles of. So we, yeah, we we do own the caves. Yeah, wow. it's incredible. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, oh wow! And it's forty seven individual caves that create this network of uh, of Creare. It's a chalk deposit that was dug out by the Romans two thousand years ago. And so um, you know, there's a lot of caves and cellars in Champagne, but a Creare is a very unique one because it is chalk. And okay. so there's only four other Champagne houses that own caves like this. However, we're the only Champagne house that is not open to the public, and we actually use our Crayer as a functioning winery. Mm. So, you know, you can go on the tours to some of our neighbors, um, but we use our, our cellar independently for winemaking, and you got to call your boy if you want to come through. All right. I, I'm going to get through there. Yeah. Who are some of your neighbors? I mean, just so people get it. Oh, yeah. people understand, um, like, so, so the hood you're in. Yeah. You know, we're a house, so we right. buy about 90% of the grapes that we need for our year of harvest. Mm -hmm. The reason being there is because we want to age our wines for a long time. We want to have a little taste of the entire region. So we are a house. 
Um, however, we're probably the small. We, we are the smallest house. We make about seventy five thousand cases of wine per year. Okay. Um, our closest neighbor across the street is Ruin Art. Okay. Um, I think they are maybe five or six times bigger than us. And then down the street is um, Pomeroy. Yeah. Um, and then Tatting J is down the street. Okay. And then Vov Clico. Uh, is also love. It rhymes street. with love. Um, yeah, I, I, that's and then, why I have this podcast so I can. Learn. Yeah, and then there's a there's a there's a great neighbor of ours that we see very eye to eye on how uh, wine should be made in the region, and that's um, the House of Krug. Mm, um, okay. So we, we 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 believe in um, aged wines. Well, it's so funny because I'm looking at uh, just the the you know your standard bottle. It's got a mm. it's got a Krug ass shirt. Like you guys like mm. might be buying bottles from the same bottle maker. Yeah, well, so like we we actually so our bottle shape is modeled after a particular hallway in our cellar. Oh, so in the Crayer, there's a hallway. Um, if you go to my IG, there's a picture of me in there, and you see like little me in this giant, you know, hundred foot ceiling, and uh, we had an artist create a mold in shape of that hallway. So, um, yeah, we were very, we have a proprietary bottle shape. It's so iconic. Yeah. This bottle is not in it because that bottle was designed in 2008. So this is a 2006. Okay. So maybe the next, next vintage, vintage. Yeah, we'll yeah, see it yeah. in that, that shape. But, um, you're right. It's eye striking. It catches, you know, your, your people ask why is even it like the foil that? it's put together so well. Man. I mean, it's a total package. Yeah. Right? You know, I mean, that's a beautiful you gotta, bottle of wine. And, and you never drink alone because, because Charlie's there with you. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So you, but, you um, ever worried about, um, uh, is it okay to drink alone? <laughs> well, just drink some Charles Heidsick and you're not drinking alone. It's no. Around and yeah, hit your boy on the IG yeah. and I'll be right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so yeah, we, we, we have great neighbors and it's an incredible honor to be around them because I think when you like in that moment when you get pulled up from JV to varsity, you play better, right? Yep. But also I think the biggest thing for us is that we couldn't be different if we didn't have our neighbors, you know, like we couldn't be the different guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. like, uh, and so when I say we're the black sheep, like we literally are because we're so different from our neighbors. And that's what always compelled me about the region is that it's so diverse. You know, when you look at the houses and you look at the growers, everybody's different. It's so symbiotic. And yet I think so many people are intimidated to explore the region mm-hmm. because first of all, it's expensive, but also they just assume that champagne is all the same. Right. And so they're like, oh, it's just for celebration. Like, no, you can go find a, you know, a Meunier based grower. And that's an incredible, like, you know, breakfast champagne. And then you can find, you know, like something a little more decadent with some body and some richness and some age for your lunch. And then you can go over to like rose for dinner. And then you can have some really old, recent disgorged vintage stuff for your after dinner cigar. And like, you literally can have a whole day's worth of experiences from the entire region and its producers. So, um, it's fascinating to me how, how there is literally a champagne for every single moment of the day. Mm. Oh shit. I love that. Um, I do. That's so dope. I read online somewhere where you said something like, uh, you were asked why champagne? And your answer was because it's the best damn wine dollar for dollar. You yes. can drink it for any occasion period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you, you were touching on that. Uh, Expand I'll on you. it. I mean, I'll tell you. So the first one we had today was our, our flagship wine. Mm-hmm. It's called the Brut Reserve. And people will say, well, why do you say reserve? Reserve is a term that you can put on any bottle. There's no like AOC connection, mm-hmm. no requirement. But for us, we have our own family requirements of what a reserve is. So for us, it's minimum 40% of the bottle 
is comprised of wines that are aged for a minimum of 10 years. Oh, shit. So, um, Whoa. for us to make a bottle of this, it takes about 21 years. And that's our entry level wine. Wow. So, on the shelf, we're talking $65, $70 on the shelf for a 20 year old bottle of wine. Now, granted, it's not all 20 no, years. No, but old, I mean, that's but yo, ridiculous. It, that's what I'm saying. So, when you look at, yes, we're not going to be the cheapest on the shelf, but when you see. You know, you said what we retail do. sixty five, but yeah. but but like almost like yeah. over twenty years. That's yeah. that's a steal. Yeah. That's a bargain. I, I mean, I would I would agree with that. And some people sleep on the fact that because you know you are intimidated by champagne or that it's white that it can't age. And you're like, no, this this took us twenty years to make this bottle. You can't rush this. You can't skip steps to make a wine like this. And what's crazy so. is we got, we got two wines here. Yep. This is 20 years. This is only 15 years old, but, this, but you said this is very rich. This is so special. Like you, when you declare Correct. the vintage, but, Correct. but, but that's bananas. I mean, th- that is, uh, this is the hardest wine for us to make. Yeah. Your entry level this wine is, is this, the hardest this wine. This just needs mother nature in right, for us right, to make this right, wine. We right, can't make this without mother nature. Right, right. We can kind of get around mother nature by blending. Right. It's like, you know, the, 15 like, years. like a Solera type, you know, blending different it, vintages. It's, it's a little crazier than, than the Solera Claire process. Claire's in Solera. Wow. It's crazier because Solera is like you just put it all into a bucket and let it do its thing. We're doing it all individually, you know. So think about our winemaker is making like 260 wines every year. <laughs> Think about that. Wow. And then he decides which ones make the cut for the current base year. Right. And then which ones make the cut for the reserve tanks. Okay. And so, you know, he's looking at our stocks and saying, okay, well, we're going to use 96 this year for this year's base vintage, and that's going to be the range of wine. So, you know, from 2017 to 1996, that'll be the range of age in the bottle when we release it in six years. Like, that's that's what he's doing. So. Um, but this is the first moment usually for people to experience a wine from Charles. Uh-huh. So it's so important for us to put our best foot forward and more importantly, kind of give the end user a little glimpse of what Charles can do. The second wine we're having is the apex predator. I mean, this thing is a beast. <laughs> um, it's a monster. It's, it's so different than any oh, other yeah. champagne I've ever tasted. Yet, that's not for anyone to just have on their first experience. Like, right. you show them that and they're going to be like, oh, how dare you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I don't want this person to get mad at me. But, <laughs> but you know, like, I also don't want to root crush their, their feelings when they're like, oh, is this how all champagne is? And you're like, no. No. This is like less than 1% of yeah. all champagne. Um, so, for you to understand the Blanc de Millionaire, mm-hmm. you have to – you really have to walk through the door and experience the wow. Brut Reserve. Wow. And you see the two complete – they're completely different ones. Completely different. Yeah. And you know what's so funny? We like being different at Charles. I know. They have you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and that's like kind of like what I was going to talk about or ask you about. Like, So uh, there's going to be a lot of people – I mean, this is it. This podcast is very interesting because it came off the gram, you know. And um, so a lot of people – they're gonna if they don't know you, they'll they'll start following you. But you have a nice following. Um, Thank Nick you. Sam, mm-hmm. like I mean, I mean, you literally like when I first encountered, it was like you have a larger, almost a larger than life uh, persona for a Sam. Mm. Like Sam's, mm. I mean, like they can be so staid. I remember, I remember last year, like there was a 
like champagne week, I guess you're like you had like you had your masquerade thing on. I mean, you wear <laughs> you wear the 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 the, the fucking Hugh Hefner Yo, baller robes. I show up. You, you have you got. You the, show I mean, up. I said it earlier. Your fucking hair is dope. Like you know what I mean. Like it's outrageous. It's like it's it's awesome, right? Yep. And and Thank and, that's, you. and like that's not something people would associate with champagne. Yeah. Like like um. Before uh, you mentioned before, like it, it, it was it was a bit of an issue. They're like, "Who's this guy?" But like, how is it now that you are the ambassador and you have forged this way, guerrilla marketing, and really have been allowed to be unique? Like, how'd you come up with Nick Sam and, <laughs> and 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 what's been? I mean, from what I can see, people love, love it. Like, I mean, like even your stories, like, like different way you're like, when you're laughing, like, eh, you know, and you got, you're like throwing up the, ro- I mean, like, it's just rock and roll champagne. I mean, um, as I mentioned, you know, passion for me is so important and authenticity is so important. When you see me do all that shit, like that's me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's me kind of tapping into that first special moment I had with the, you know, great glass of wine mm-hmm. and saying, wow, this is how this makes me feel. But all these old white people are looking at me, so I don't feel comfortable to do this. <laughs> and right. I don't want to get like kicked out of here because this is really fucking good, but yeah. this is how I feel. Right. So like now I'm able to feel confident that like I can't get kicked out of my own IG channel. So right. Right. I'm just going to do me. And, um, you know, the pure joy and passion is something that I want to inspire in other people. Um, fashion is another thing that I absolutely love. And it's, it was a way for me to, um, honestly feel more confident about meeting others that didn't know me, Mm -hmm. you know, like when you come into my restaurant and you see that I'm wearing a suit and I see that I'm dialed in and you know, like you can, you have an immediate connection. Like, okay, I know this guy, like he can, you know, he can tie a tie or, you know, I like his suit. Like who's your tailor or, Oh, I love those shoes. Like you, you feel more confident to do business. And I hate to, you know, be direct like that, that we like to do business with people that we, we like looking at. But the reality is I have literally two minutes to convince you to trust me and before I even say anything. Mm-hmm. So if I can't do that, then you're, you're going to, you're, we're done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I saw that right away as a way to connect with others that don't know me. And, um, so fashion is something that I absolutely love. Now I'm showing you the fashion that I wish I could wear on the floor. <laughs> um, again, you know, things that I wish I could do when I wasn't restrained by other people's fragility. Um, so, um, you know, um, that's that's kind of me. And then I think to your point about like the brand, I found a brand that that celebrates me being me yeah. and celebrates being different from everybody else in the in the in the region. So yeah. it was just like it was a perfect match and I remember talking after year 1 with the team being like, "Oh, I'm so proud that you guys found me and they're like, no, we're so proud that we, we found you, you know, and again, it's so mutual that like, I don't think I could do this with any other champagne house. I, as a matter of fact, I know I could never do this with any other champagne house. And I don't think any, I don't think any other champagne house would, would, uh, allow me to, to like, you know, someone else to do this the way that I am in a way, which again, seems so crazy to even say that, but like, I'm different than any other ambassador by far. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know any other ambassadors really of color or you know so it's 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 a very unique moment and i found it as i have to show what not only i can do but what we can do 
um, for your brand, whether it's a winery or a distillery or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've been told by a very prestigious brand that sells to people of color, specifically black people, that they would never have an ambassador with dreadlocks represent their brand. Oh, yeah. I believe it. And And I was just like, oh, okay. Like... I get it. Like, that's the world we live in. And, and I understand that. But I, I assumed at the time that I had, you know, was was applying for a national job, a brand job. Like, didn't you think you already, like, looked at what I looked like? Like, you, right, you right. already kind of saw mean, that, right? So, why are we on interview four and you're yeah, telling me this? Like, yeah, like, why are, we, why are you even just, doing that Just throw me? my shit in the garbage. Let alone go fuck yourself. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's the fucking answer. <laughs> you know what right I'm saying? There, like, right? here am I trying right. to make an excuse for this person right, right, when right. I shouldn't be. Um, but But my point is... Again, I found a home that I couldn't be more proud to be with. And um, these wines deserve so much. And so it is truly um, special to see what we've done in such a short period of time and where we're going. Um, and it's it's incredible to see the excitement and the support around it. So many people tagging me and, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like... Literally, I'm on my phone and I'm like, oh my God, like this person's opening a bottle and this person's tagging me. And it just, it just shows like what can be done when there's integrity, honesty, and passion behind it. So, you know, those budgets are great, but if you don't have those other three, then I think you're well, never going to be mean, able to compete. Yeah, exactly. Cause that shit is like, we just live in a different time. Marketing has changed. It's, it, it, it you said this earlier, like people buy from people they know, like, and trust, right? And and that's why I think it's incredible that like like you're very likable and you're very knowledgeable. But like this, this is a champagne brand. Like let the black dude run with it. Like that's like some ballsy shit. And and you're running with it. Like you're like you're like give me the ball. I'm giving no. the Give me the ball. I'm 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 not stopping. Yeah. You know? I'm, I've I've Let's turned go. It, I've <laughs> turned it up to a whole nother level this year. Um, I don't know if you've seen my most recent post on IG, but I'm so proud. I mean. To, to show our brands now partnering with other really high profile brands mm-hmm. and bringing them to, you know, their communities. And um, that's really the next level for me because it's like that's a deal that normally you would pay for. And instead, we're earning that mutual respect of right. a very prestigious brand. Right. And to say, look, like, you know, we're different. You're different. Let's do this together. And um, so, yeah, no, we've got we've got great things coming up in the future. And. The future is very bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I love that, man. Um, you know, and you touched on this just a few moments ago um, and, and throughout our conversation. It's obvious you have other passions besides wine, hospitality, and champagne, like uh, Cuban cigars are one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, fashion. Um, how did you like and and also vintage cars and racing cars like how how did you like let's go back to and we're gonna uh. go we, we we take it back to where we started how does a polation from evanston illinois like rocking tom Ford's like how did you come to just see the world mm. in a way that you've called talk about some of your favorite passions outside of yeah. wine and 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 uh how you see that how it's you I mean, so uh, thank you. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a product of my teachers and I saw incredible things from my biological father. Um, I remember like, you know, one of the last memories I had, he took me to a, 
uh, a motorcycle race in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, you know, so having motorsport in my, you know, in my earliest memories with him and like, he always had, you know, <clears throat> a motorcycle or, you know, a sports car. It makes sense that I am my father's son. Mm -hmm. Um, and my stepfather, um, ironically, uh, like also into cars. And so my biological father had an older Mazda RX-7. Mm. My stepfather, when he started dating my mom, had an RX-7. And it was just like, what's going, what's going on here? So crazy. And um, so there was always like this, this passion of motorsport and cars throughout my life. Um, <clears throat> and so like, like I was just saying, like the partnership that I've been able to create recently with Ferrari mm -hmm. has been... That's sick, by Un the way. That's fucking um, sick. It's, I mean, I think I am probably the only Psalm that I've ever heard of or know of that drives a Ferrari every day. Like, I, I don't know anybody else that does that. <laughs> so, I think I broke, <laughs> I broke a barrier when I could say that I'm the first black champagne ambassador. I think I broke another you, barrier. You Listen, I love being the first black auctioneer, but like, <laughs> I, you just smashed a barrier. It's like, you fucking sell champagne. They said, here, here's a Ferrari. Drive it. I mean, because you're dope as fuck. I mean, that's like, oh. That's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible to see love and support. And when you lead with your heart and your passion, doors open that you never thought were even wow. there. And I think hustle, determination, hard work, all those things come together. And so, you know, my background and passion around motorsport um, and, you know, experience, life experiences was received. And you see it now kind of all coming together with these brands. And uh, it's unreal. I, I literally like every day I'm like, I can't believe this is real life. Um, but I, yeah. I would have said that two years ago right. as well. Right. So like this is the reality is right. that like I'm, I'm living this. I'm living my dream. And that's, that's, it's so crazy to think that, um, you know, I, I, I know, um, a good buddy, uh, that I love watching him excel and, and develop and grow, uh, George Walker, the third, um, he had this great post the other day. He was like, I am my ancestors greatest dream. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing that being like, yeah, like here we are, you know, I, I know that my pops would be like blown away to see this yeah and uh i'm, I'm gonna do it <laughs> you know like can't even believe this is happening i and, mean uh, here we go i feel you i mean this podcast <laughs> like um my smile my ability to connect with people that's my mom yeah my mom passed away two years ago and uh and then my sister passed away a year ago my sister would be she's my biggest fan my biggest – my mom was my nemesis because we were so much alike. <laughs> but my sister would be – I mean, would just be overjoyed to that that my voice is out there and that people yeah. downloads to it. And, and man, it's crazy. Yeah, you're the only freaking Sam who's driving a Ferrari. <laughs> There's no doubt. There's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. Um and then the fashion, I was like, I was like, how the fuck is he affording Tom Ford suits working at a family restaurant? Like, 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 what, what, like, what's that about, man? Oh man! And, and, and 
he he he's 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 a big dude. He's like six four. I mean, like like this shit's got to get tailored, man. It's, I mean, like, I, I, <sighs> my first trip to New York, my first stop when I like when I got here, my first time out here with my pops, we came in two thousand four for a, um, I think it was right around Halloween, uh, for a. Uh, my dad's a big Frank Zappa fan, so okay. Uh, we were here for a show called Zappa Play Zappa, and obviously we, we when we travel with my pops, it's like four or five restaurants a day, like just there's just nonstop. I love that. It's crazy, and it's crazy to the point where there were times where we sit down, and I'm like, I can't eat anything more. But I asked for one place to go stop and see when I was in town, and it was Tom Ford. And I got there, and I was just like, I need to see the store. At the time, there wasn't one in Chicago. And I'd just been like buying stuff from the store via phone, calling them and being like, hey, send me this, send me that. And so I said, okay, I'm in town. I have to make this happen. So I literally go to the store and I'm like, oh my God, this is like, you know, this is amazing. Everything here is dope. And I realized that I don't fit in any of this shit. <laughs> um, but the guy said, he was like, yo, I have, a, I have a suit that is from last season that no one really fits into you actually might fit in it. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, like, all right, like can't afford this, but let's, let's, let's talk. So he's like, just try it on. And when you go to Tom Ford, like they welcome you with an espresso, you know, they hand you a glass of champagne. I found out horribly when I took a sip that it was Prosecco, but, <laughs> um, but you know, like you take your shoes off, they ask you your side, they're going to be some shoes. I take my shoes off and I'm like, my toes are grabbing the carpet and I'm like, wow, this is some ultra this, wash. This, this is the nicest this is carpet I've ever been on. This is the nicest carpet I've ever been it's on. It's Tom Ford carpet. It's Tom Ford carpet. Like he's got TF in his own carpet. Right. You know, when I say the, 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 you know, the man's got his own money and man's got his own money, you know? <laughs> um, so I'm like, they got me totally, right? I got to do this. And, um, so they bring the suit out and I'm just like, there's no way it's going to work. I put it on and it fit like a glove. And I was just like, holy shit, I have to make this work now. And so straight up maxed out my credit card to buy that suit. And, um, I remember like about to leave and they're like, oh, you know, like, where are you from? And I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm from Chicago. They're like, oh, well, how long are you in town? I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm staying for a couple of days to go to these restaurants. And they're like, oh, well, you know, we could ship the suit for you if you want and i was like oh perfect and he was like yeah you just saved you know eight hundred dollars on tax because we're just gonna ship you this suit <laughs> i was like yeah things that you didn't know when you buy suits because you always ship that shit you know you don't buy it and take it in store first of all i didn't want to carry that shit back home and secondly yes i wanted to say i was like i just got eight hundred dollars back on my car i was car. like i was like literally like yo we got money for dinner now <laughs> That's one meal. Nobu, here we go. <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it's always been about pushing the envelope, you know, like uh, financial stability has not really been a big focus of mine. And I, that's an incredible privilege that my parents gave me that I knew that I could always fall back on mm -hmm. a job. You know, like mm -hmm. I knew that if I didn't go out and push my for mm -hmm. something, it didn't mm -hmm. come through. Mm -hmm. I would always have a job to mm -hmm. go and like earn it back or work it off. Mm -hmm. But um I just always been trying to push for something more. And I think that's what, you know, you're seeing now is I continue to push on so many different levels for space and also for, you know, for our brand. And here we go. And, and then <laughs> I know. So uh, I know, like I saw on your IG, um, you know, yesterday, which 
is not going to mean anything because this is not going to drop for like three weeks, but just because I'm so backed up. But anyway, um, but like, uh, you know, another one of your passions is cigars. You have a stick here and, the, and, and you know, you're just chewing on a little bit. Yeah. You know, no. get, so talk. How'd you get into? I mean, like, you are no. luxury. How did you, how'd you get into, you know, good, <sighs> good cigars, good sticks? Well, um, for me, it was like a little bit of a moment of connection with my pops after service. We would have a cigar every now and then. Um, after service, it was calming, and he would have cigars that people would give him or, or he would buy when we traveled. He would always go to a humidor at a cigar shop when we traveled because you can get Cuban cigars in other countries. So he would bring them back. Um, I found myself kind of just finding a connection. I was never into cigarettes, uh, never really into any other um, any other smokables. I was never really into the other extracurriculars. <laughs> I'll, I'll partake, but it's yeah, not really not like you thing. know. Yeah. I'm I'm I think I, I'm going to be honest and say I'm too much of a control freak. Like I would always drive. So like you know when it came to managing my balance, I think my balance is something that I've been very confident of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so a cigar after service was a really unique kind of experience to be able to share it because I felt like it got everybody to sit down and shut the fuck up. Mm. You know, like we wouldn't be on our phones. We wouldn't be worried about other things. It's like it's such a relaxing experience. And so cigar for me was like a connection with the other people in the room. And it's a very social thing. I don't really smoke by myself. Um, so last year was really tough uh, for me. But um yeah, so cigar became initial like a social thing to get to connected, and then I realized I could learn more about cigar production and terroir. Yeah, it's the same. It's like it's like and wine. Then I right? was like, holy shit, there is a, such a connection with wine and cigars. Like, cigar goes through seven fermentations. Like, Cuba is like the Burgundy of tobacco production in the world, and then here I am like pairing cigars with wines, and then I find the most incredible pairing, and it's cigars and champagne. And people say, you're, you're crazy. And I go, you're right, but try it <laughs> and then tell me that, you, that I'm still crazy. Right, right. And so every time that I show somebody a cigar um, with a glass of champagne, they're like, this is genius. And I'm like, no, it's really simple. Like they work because, you know, you've got one earthy terroir driven thing. You've got another thing that's really bright, fresh and also terroir driven. Mm. And they, they're like yin and yang. Um, you have this weighty experience and then you have this lifted experience. Um, and also don't forget Winston Churchill was doing this shit for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like all his life. The guy was drinking a bottle of champagne for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and had a cigar the whole day. Um, so not that I'm like, you know, a huge historian, but I mean, the guy was onto something and you check it out you'd be the judge. But my favorite pairing is a vintage rosé champagne with a vintage Cuban cigar. I think it is the craziest way to, to show terroir, age, and expression in a glass um, that's a non-food pairing, you know. Mm. Um, Got to do it. Mm. Mm. So the next studio we're having a cigar in, right? Yeah. Because I really want to No, we, we will do something. We'll do, we, <laughs> you come down to my house. I got a patio. We'll hire some interns. We'll just sit out there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bring a mag. Bring your wife. Size matters. Yes. You know, size matters. All day, every day. You know? Um, and we'll and we'll do this. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Shit, man. I mean, it's been fucking incredible sitting down, man, and hearing your story and, you know, your passion. You know, something I want to say is, like, people say, 
I, I want to be on. I'm going to go right up and say, follow your passion is bad advice unless you're good at your passion. Mm. Mm. <laughs> And you're good at it, right? Like, 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 like you're great at it. Mm. Like, and, 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 and here's the thing. You can follow your passion, but what you've done, you, you've carved out a niche, right? Like we've talked about it, right? We've talked about, they said, no, we, we we're lucky we found you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What you have done is become so good that you cannot be ignored, right? Mm-hmm. So for, for all those other companies you work for, 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 for motherfuckers having you come in for four interviews and be like, <laughs> well, you, your, your hair is not going to work for us. <laughs> you know what? You, and, 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 and your hard work, you become so good that you cannot be ignored. And you, this is just the tip of the iceberg for you, man. Like, yeah. like, like I can, I, I mean, I can see it. I see you <laughs> at like the Grand Prix of Monaco Yo. with a fucking Methuselah of, of high tick yep. and a stick there with the winning fucking team coming soon. And I, it's with Ferrari when they fucking win yep. and, and you're going to be, you're there. Yep. And so, man, good for you. I mean, good for you. Man. I'm taking everybody with me. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I get on the stage. Everybody gets on the stage. That's the way it is. We're going to include everybody. We're going to show up, be proud, and um, show you how it can be done. So, Philippe, yeah. Andre, thank you so much, man, for making this happen. This was – you guys don't even know. This is a, almost a miracle that this happened. Um, tell people where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing. Yeah. And, and watch this incredible journey you're on. Yeah. So you can find me uh, on Instagram at Nixom. Um You can find our wines at charlesheitzigchampagne.com. Um, and, uh, you know, let's go. Uh, reach out to me, DM me, let me know when you're in town. I'm based in Chicago, but I'm ready to go. I'm going to start traveling, uh, next month. I'll be in Houston in a few weeks. Can't wait to go see my fam there. Um, and coming to a city near you. So let's get it. All right, man. So, hey, everybody, what's up? It's MJ. Uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I had a great guest. Great. Beyond that, just great time connecting with this brother. Um, amazing, amazing entrepreneur, uh, visionary. Market all of it, just 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 Renaissance man. So until the next time, uh, let's cheers to the Mavericks, the philosophers, the deep thinkers, and all you champagne drinkers. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list. 